Diesel Punk Gate Crashers. This is the Thrill Chronicles Radio Show for May 19th, 2021. On this episode, Chris Holm from Conspire Theory Podcast joins Jason Cousineau and me, Eric Reiner King Fisk, to talk about the current state of diesel punk in the era of this pandemic. What's going to happen to the retrocentric conventions after everything goes back to normal? Or the new normal? Shouldn't Renaissance festivals be more receptive of steampunks? Shouldn't diesel punks be more inclusive of classic movie snobs and jazz era style aficionados? All this and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And we, we have to do a round of introductions for the people who are li- our, our first-time listeners. Okay, uh, I'm doing well. Um, my name is Jason Cousineau. I live in Utah. I work in IT, and Eric and I have been friends for, what, 23? Let's just say 24. Let's just round up to 24. It's been a while. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, my name is Chris Holm. I'm the host of Conspire Theory. I do artwork and stuff like that. It's uh, my first introduction into this was uh, I mostly met Eric through um, through um, the diesel punk fandom groups on Facebook about like maybe about, I don't know what, maybe, was it five, ten years ago? Yeah, five or, yeah, yeah, let's, let's round up. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. It, I guess this is like our first time, like officially talking in person. Right. Oh no, we had a, we had a phone call um, uh, about a week ago, but this is oh the, yeah. This is the this keyword is, this, this keyword is the, official. Yeah, this is like our first of many podcast episodes together. I hope because um, you're a terrific guy. You have a great podcast, and we're basically covering some of the same ground sometimes. And you reached out to me and says, like, well, why don't we just do episodes together once in a while? I said, that's a that's a perfect idea. So so go ahead, Chris. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was, I was just I was just puzzled because you're like the great guy. Who who the hell have you been talking to? <laughs> he drinks early in the morning. He, mm-hmm. he and I both. We just kind of take a little nip of the hair of the dog, you know, get things going, get the blood <laughs> moving. Uh, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> He's heard the show. I've been listening to um, my my primary favorite was Metaphysical Connection. Yeah, that's kind of how I got started in. And I remember listening to um, Walt and Doug, and I would play this little drinking game. I think it was, I believe it was either Doug or Walt, one of the early ones that that you take a sip every single time the Illuminati, the history of the Anunnaki, <laughs> got brought up. <laughs> and and whenever you did that, you would take a drink, and by the end of the episode, you know you're guaranteed to be plastered out. Of course, I'd be, I'd be so blackout drunk that I would completely forget the episode and have to re-listen to it again. Of course, I wouldn't play the game that time because I wouldn't really pay attention. And I actually do want to have a liver. <laughs> yep. But the 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 thing is, is that you know, I mean, seeing coming up. From a fandom background, you know, um, my primary um, interest and in everything was was through the the diesel punk thing. That's where we right, met. Right, right. And 
and I, I, I loved it when I got into it. I wasn't quite as hardcore at, at it. I was more of a casual fan. And I think that's where I would often, you know, butt heads with the rest of the community. Yep. Is because I was very, um, I was very, you know, like, I, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it entry level, be as open and inviting as, as possible. And that caused a lot of friction with uh, more uh, puritanical, um, more upper echelons of the movement. Right. And and I got into like a lot of debates. I remember sometimes I would even get into debates with Eric. But when I would argue with Eric, it, it felt like a pleasant conversation. It never felt hostile at any point in time because we would get our points across and and it, it was just, you know, it just felt like a like a pleasant conversation. Yeah. yeah. And the thing and I think it was uh one of your other um past guests, uh John Pika. Pika. Yep. I think I think our me and him would get into uh, quite a few bit of debates. And I think they were, you know, almost legendary because they would go on for like days and days. And, right. and I know that, that he knew that, that they got eyes because every now and then he would plug his dates and drop his books you know, <laughs> in between, you know, the arguments because, you know, because there was definitely eyes on them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was fun. And, and in that, that moment, I think that's where the first seeds of, me starting the podcast kind of took root is that it made me realize I really enjoy engaging in conversation with people who give a shit about what they're talking about. Right. And even though, you know, I would oftentimes, you know, goat Pika into, you know, some of these, these debates and stuff, you know, I, I called them debates. I don't know what he called it. He probably called them trolling, but you know, I, I mean, but what I do, he would do this thing where we would get into the, to the argument, we would go back and forth, and then he would, you know, tag team someone to come in and, and debate on his behalf. Right. Yep. <laughs> Which was, you know, it's like I, I don't remember the Kennedy Nixon debates where, you know, Kennedy would like tag team someone else to come in and, and continue arguing with, with, with uh, Nixon or anything like that. But it, it was just it was just one thing. And what was hilarious is every single time he would do that, the person who would tag in, would read through it all, and then end up agreeing with me. Someone who he brought in to argue on his behalf wouldn't take his side. And and that was, you know, and it was more like, like at that time, you know, I just liked, you know, I just, I guess I liked, uh, it was more for the love of the sport. And I just liked to fight and stir up. And I would often take, you know, positions, you know, just, I just liked working him into a frenzy. Yeah. That. But I will give him this. I have listened to his show, and it is a very fair show because on his show, one of his co-hosts, Daisy O'Dare, any type of comment that, that I would make or, or any parallel thinking that I would ever bring up that I would bring up to him, she would bring up. So so I would have to – I definitely have to commend him that he is, you know, very open and fair as far as, you know, taking uh, – you know, taking it from from either side of any kind of a de debate, and and that's something that a lot of people really don't do. And he was doing this, you know, at a time when it wasn't even fashionable right. to do so. So I really got to, you know, give him kudos for that. You know, I mean, I have no ill will or, or animosity towards him. Although <laughs> looking at at our at our taglines, it may may not seem that way. I just like working him into a frenzy because it was so much fun to do. But you know, it, he's definitely a, a a really cool guy, and I'm pretty sure I agree with him more than what 
you know, the log, the, the chat logs would say. So <laughs> Right, yeah. right. I yeah. think that my entire approach to diesel punk was that you should be as inclusive as possible. And that if you just want to introduce just a lid of 1940s or 30s style or jazz era, let's just call it jazz era, into your everyday life, that's diesel punk. I didn't think it had to be retro futuristic because if you're wearing a couple of items that are either authentic from the jazz era or reproductions of the jazz era and you're kind of like you're wearing your eye watch or you have your cell phone on you that could be considered a form of diesel punk i thought let's be as inclusive as possible and and people lost their minds saying that it all had to be retro futuristic and i says wait a minute you're living in the future from the perspective of people from the jazz era so everything that you're doing is already in and by itself retro futuristic if you're on a commuter train if you're on a high speed speed rail watching miller's crossing on your iphone that's a that's a diesel punk act that's a diesel punk activity and i don't understand why exclude people from the club or the community and if you're and the biggest the biggest diesel punk activity that we ever had was was talking about what is and isn't diesel punk yeah, in my approach, I was never really a lifestyler. I would I would dress up, you know, for events and festivals and stuff. I even produced my own comic book, which I called Steam Pets, which was, you know, sort of my gift to the steampunk, diesel punk, whatever have you punk community. It was sort of, you know, my my I guess let me create something as a sort of like a gift of appreciation. And of course, the odd thing is the the hardcores, they ignored it. You know, largely it was largely ignored by the 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 hardcores and the upper echelons of the community. You know, I mean, unless they were people who knew me, you know, who were like personal friends. Otherwise, I, you know, it 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 wasn't anything that they could you know wear or take a picture of themselves with. So it was of no use to them. And on the other hand, when I would take it, you know, the comic book to. Um, regular comic-con shows and all these other types of shows you know it, it would get flocked i mean people would come out of out of everywhere and say oh i love steampunk let me let me tell you about this thing and then you know this and that and then i would see people you know dressed up in steampunk and and i would get excited because like oh cool we get to talk about this steampunk stuff and and they get to check it out we get to talk about it and then every now and then i'll get someone in the, and then they'd say and i would you know every at the time you know, every single city or state had their own chapter of steampunk community um, gatherings. And I say, you know, oh, what city are you from? Well, you know, I'd ask, you know, so that way, if they're local, I could start seeing them at the local meets. And then I, I would get this, you know, they would, their face would suddenly turn sour and they say, oh, I, I was kind of, you know, I'm not steampunk enough for, for the community, for the local community wherever it is that they're from. And then I'm like, ah, what happened? And they would sit down and tell me their tale of woe. And it would just, you know, anger me and upset me that, you know, that, that the, that people can complain on, on, you know, oh, why aren't more people showing up 
to our events and stuff? Why aren't more people coming out? And then those people in the same breath are saying, you know, like, oh, you're not good enough to be here type of thing. And it's that sort of attitude that, that definitely turned, turned me off. You know, I mean, I'd never like abandon the, the aspect or the, the community completely because the way that I treat, you know, any kind of punk is I treat it like bacon. Like there's the main course and it, and I treat the, the steampunk, diesel punk, whatever have you. It's sort of an additive to an already complete meal. It's sort of flavoring. That's how I like to treat it. So, you know, it's one of those, you know, you can put as much in as little as you like. And I think what some people do, which kind of spoils it, is they treat it like it's the main course and everything else is just an aesthetic to serve it. And I think that's where some issues that I would have, you know, and I think I got like excommunicated, quote unquote, excommunicated from the steampunk community like three times because I kept, you know, getting on people's, you know, shit list and stuff. And I think one guy tried to, tried to, I, I guess in the early of whatever it is, you know, lead a, a smear campaign against me and stuff like that, you know, because there was a uh, Dragon Con article where someone wrote a Dragon Con article about how snooty and stuffy the steampunks were. And I'm, and I took at it and I took it up and said, yeah. you know, this is true. We as steampunks need to do better. We need to do better and be more open and inviting. And of course the, the upper echelons, you know, like, as usual came out and said like, Oh, he's calling saying we're steam douches, which I, I did. Yeah, I did. I said, <laughs> yeah, we're totally steam douches. And, but only but because they, it they was try true to, at the time. Right. Well, they, they try to take it. And they try to imply that I'm saying more than what I actually said. Yeah. And, you know, and they try to, like, uh, have a smear campaign against me type of thing. And, of course, um, the a lot of the more community leaders, they all knew me well enough to know, like, okay, this isn't going to attract anywhere. And they got the guy to stop. And, of course, in person, you know, because this is a, a local thing. In person, of course, the guy, you know, he's all, you know, cordial and stuff. You know, he'll he'll trash me online, but right. in person, you know, nothing. But then, of course, I'm like a foot taller than he is. Like, <laughs> I have 100 pounds on him. So it's very smart of him to, to, you know, keep his trap shut and keep the peace. It's also a little amusing that they get polite when, they, when that happens. Oh, you know why that is. <laughs> you know why that oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just, you know, I mean... And and I understand the the disconnect when we're behind a keyboard and behind a screen and stuff like that. But still, you know, it, it's it's just it's just something that gets me. And I still embrace it. I still love it. I mean, one of my favorite uh, animes right now is a sort of a light steampunk s type of show that I that I love called Violet Evergarden. Which is the the only steampunk aspect of the show is that the main protagonist has um, metal arms, like like uh, they're like these sort of you know um, like cybernetic arms, and it's based in this sort of like you know early nineteen hundred s era. So it, it's it's something that like it's it's like one of those little out of place, out of time type of things, but in the context of the story, it's not treated any differently type of thing. So it's sort of a cool thing, but it's just, uh, you know, and, and that's what I enjoyed, you know, as far as the, the, the steampunk stuff like that. And with that, you know, I guess we'll sort of, 
I guess, get more into like other interests that we tend to cross over as well as mm-hmm. when we talk to mm-hmm. like more paranormal stuff. But do you guys have any uh, closing statements before we close that chapter? Jay, do you have anything? Because I'm probably going to well, take take a little more time. <laughs> well, I I was never really all that involved in the the cosplay element of it, but I I do know like there's from my own interests, the own, uh, other groups that I belong to or that I associate with. There's always that element of I think you use the term elites to ref- to refer to them, but. I, I tend to think of them as elitists where it's like you're doing it wrong kind of a thing. Well, I'm sorry. If you're doing cosplay of any kind, whether it's Indiana Jones, steampunk, superheroes, um, Star Wars, there's no real wrong way of doing it. You know, because cosplay is a bit like fan fiction in that you're taking something that's established and then putting your own spin on it. And if you're putting your own spin on it, that means you're using your own sense of style your own preferences to reflect how you would be in that world or how you see certain characters in that world so Mm -hmm. that's essentially opinion so how could you possibly be quote-unquote wrong because you're doing it differently than they choose to do it right and that's just annoying to me because it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all that you can be doing something where you're expressing yourself wrong. I mean, it's not like music, for example, where there's established rules, right? No, you cannot, in fact, in fact, pay, play a B flat in a G scale because that is wrong. Okay, it's there's an overreaching structure surrounding music that you have to operate in. And can you break those rules? Yes, you can once you know them well enough. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a stylistic option. And as long as it sounds good, then you're good to go. But the majority of people know what sounds, quote unquote, good. And there's a few minority people out there who like the discord, right? So when you're out of a structured setting like that, like the cosplay world is, there's no real wrong way of doing things. And that kind of annoys me when people are like, oh, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and and also, if I can add on that, every single cosplay and anything like that is a a personal rendition of it. And every single personal rendition is going to be completely different. I mean, look at all the Batmans throughout all the ages. They're all like different takes on the same character, but it's the same character type of thing. You can tell it because it's of the iconic um, elements of it. And there are certain iconic elements of diesel punk that we all recognize. Yep. Exactly. All right, Eric. One of the biggest problems that I had in the past year or two with the diesel punk community is exactly what you had talked about was like the gatekeeping. This is true of all the other fandoms that you could possibly think of. Name a fandom, you're always going to have gatekeepers. Uh, and I wrote a couple of articles um, for a couple of other publications talking about how gatekeepers are killing all these fandoms, especially mm-hmm. steampunk, especially dieselpunk. 
And let's just take it back to 2004. I noticed that all of these people who were, let's just call them daily fedora wearers. And I, when I mean a fedora, I mean, I'm not talking about the coffee, the, the hats that look like coffee filters that are made from the upholstery of trucks from 1974. Okay. Yeah. I'm misidentified trilbies. Yeah. Right. Misidentified yeah. trilbies. Um, all of these, all of these weird, wacky people who are all into this one thing also had all of these other things in common. And we all have, I believe for the most part, we all have a love of, of classic cinema, especially movies made in the thirties and forties and maybe early fifties. Um, we all seem to like film noir. We all seem to like the paranormal. We all seem to love the unexplained, uh, kind of like the, uh, the stuff that you would like put under the X files umbrella. And as soon as I started to try to discuss paranormal investigations, the real actual invest investigations, not the, the movie series, I got some pushback from people who said, we don't want to talk about the, this is all diesel punk. Well, after you've talked about your latest item that just came in the mail, thanks to the UPS man or woman. What else do you have left to talk about? Let's broaden the horizons. Let's talk about what it also means to be a man and all these other things as well. Um, They didn't want to talk about anything else other than diesel punk in these diesel punk groups. Even when I introduced and and I'm the admin of two of these diesel punk groups. And when I wanted to talk about, let's just say, Um, What does it mean to be a man or paranormal stuff? I got pushed back and I was called some of the most awful names you could possibly imagine because I wanted to introduce other topics into the realm of diesel punk, which is you, you. If I do it in the Fedora Chronicles. Nobody cares. That's what you expect. You expect it to be a broad spectrum. And, and you get this occasional troll asking, what does this have to do with fedoras? They, they, they don't remember the Chronicles part, but they always seem to like harp on the fedora part. These trolls, I mean. And there's a, there was a moment when I just said, I, I think I'm done. I, I think I'm going to stay in these groups and help them out as much as possible behind the scenes with some of the admin stuff. But as far as introducing topics... As soon as I as soon as I bring up anything like, say, like the the topic that's going to take us to the end of the show after we're done discussing this, um, that this was a topic that was persona non grata or topic non grata until the History Channel started doing Project Blue Book. (laughs) And then you have all these fedora wearers in Project Blue Book investigating ufos now it's okay to talk about in diesel punk circles um and john pica love him to pieces he's he's like a he's like a um a a a brother or a distant cousin but he's very supportive very very supportive we didn't talk that much about the paranormal an unexplained phenomenon on the diesel punk podcast. But when he came on the Fedora Chronicles radio show, whether it was just him and me or with other people as guests, then he would just like, it's, it's just this 
this deluge of excitement and passion for the topic would just come out. And I'm just going to think, I, I think that we see the problem here is that diesel punk is, is not a broad enough term for all of the things that people want to be able to talk about in this genre, in this community, actually. Um, and I also think that a large part of diesel punk has everything to do with the fact that we want to emulate the kind of heroes and characters from the jazz era, because that's when, you know, good and black, good and bad was black and white. And it's like a man could be a man. A woman could be a woman. And to paraphrase Douglas Adams, a big green fuzzy thing from Alpha Centauri could be a big green fuzzy thing from Alpha Centauri. You could be a the real version of who you are, but only in this narrow um, spectrum. So I, I don't know what we're going to do about diesel punk. I think that now that the pandemic is over and dystopia has been diverted for at least a little while, um, I think it's going to make a little bit of a comeback, but it's not going to be the way it was. I think people are going to look back at steampunk, diesel punk, all the other punks, and there's going to be um, uh, PC and AC, pre-COVID and after COVID diesel punk so we're, we're, we'll see we'll see so with that said go ahead oh <laughs> did, did anybody else want to um, um uh, pile on for a second and respond to what i said yeah um if i could just for a moment the um i think what happened was is the the i remember in i think it was 2006 is when i noticed that diesel that steampunk was sort of starting to bust at the seams and you were going to see it everywhere. And, and all the anime com conventions had, you know, loosely adapted into steampunk conventions and, and it was just sort of adapting and changing with the times and stuff like that. And, and everything was going steampunk and it was on this upward trajectory and stuff like that. So much that, that even, you know, uh, the IBM article came out, which people, you know, practically held up like it was the Ten Commandments. Even though I'm thinking like what what does what does, you know, uh whatever business machines have to, what are they gonna know about, you know, steampunk or, or or fashion sense and pop culture, you know, don't they just make computers and stuff? Anyways. Um and as far as all the all of that stuff, you know, I, I think it sort of it like grew too fast and too quick. And everyone, you know, saw, you know, money into it, in it. But Almost unfortunately, like yeah, it, it burst way too fast. And I think what we're, what we're seeing now is sort of a slight resurgence with it. And especially in media, but not, not mainstream media, more like uh, streaming media that we're seeing it. You know, like, um, like I mentioned, the, you know, the anime series that I love so much. Um, Violet Evergarden, and then now there's like uh, streaming shows that are coming out, like Man in the High Castle, um, and there's this other show I think on HBO, The Nevers, and stuff like that. All these subtle, you know, shows like this that are going to have their slight flair that I think is going to uh, reinvigorate the 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 craft and the community for people, and I and I think that we'll probably see another slow grow of it again, but it's going to be like sort of a more I hope it's going to be more of a controlled burn. Uh, 
because it's because usually what happens is you know everyone gets into it, but the worst thing is the worst kinds of people get into it. And, you know, and because, you know, this is so fresh and new to so many people, you know, it's it's like there is no like official leaders or, or anything of that. So it's usually whoever's the most ambitious and and whoever is left in the room is the one in charge. And usually it's like it has the potential to be some of the most skeeziest people. Mm-hmm. I mean. Because it's it's like for me, what also was killing it was like, you know, not just the gatekeeping, but you know, it's just I'm not saying like you know people who just want money, but people who are just, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting money and turning a profit, but there's some people that when they come with that, that there's this sort of like uh, uh, distastefulness that they bring with them that just spoils it for everybody. And I think one of the growing pains that I noticed painfully noticed that I tried so adamantly hard to change with that got me the most friction was a lot of the the early steampunk groups and stuff they were they had this sort of I guess before autism was cool they were all had this autistic attitude of always being in character even you know everywhere and it's like and i try to explain to these people because they would complain it's like oh why do all these people you know just stare at me and and don't approach me and and stuff like this and it's like it's like and then you know they they would complain and then other people complain like well well, you know people would talk to me but they would never talk to him when when they're when they have a question that, that he could answer and stuff like that it's like well people don't know who they can talk to about stuff because you're not approachable yeah. because you're, you're, you're in your little world and, and the people, you know, they'll sit on the sidelines and they'll stare with fascination. And I would make it a point to stop every five minutes, look around and see who's still staring. And then I would approach these people that would stare, they'd be staring at us and say, Hey, how you doing? You know, all these, these, the mundanes, as I guess they would be called, you know, the, the, the regular people, you know, and, and I would, you know, engage with them, you know, because, you know, it's like, do you guys have any questions? You know, is, is there, is there something, you know, because I wanted them to know that, that they're not, they don't have to be just spectators, you know, and, and every single time I'm at a steampunk meetup or anything like that, there's always a family that's there in the the community section, but they're in a little corner table by themselves. And I would make it a point to walk up to them, you know, at the table, say, hey, how you folks doing? Is this your first time here? You know, can I introduce you to somebody? And, and I would make it a point to introduce them to the to the organizers and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and the people would just light up. And I would notice that all these, again, the mostly the gatekeeper types, they wouldn't do this. And they wouldn't make it a point to do this. And, and it would just it's upset me like so they, much. They, almost like they were um, proud of that not a lot of people were into it kind of a thing and they didn't want it to get too much bigger. I, I wouldn't say was that because they so? loved, they loved the attention. Yeah. They, it's like they wanted people into it, but they were the main attraction, not you oh, Okay. type of thing. It, it's more like, it's like, so long as they're the ones up front, then they're okay with everyone being up into it type of thing. You know, it's like if you had a camera, then they would notice you type of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay. it, and it's just that sort of, you know, 
and and it's just that sort of thing that just you know it rubs me the wrong way and it just it just gets me and and it's always going to be a problem with me i mean even and and like uh you were saying eric how you have these these budding interests and other topics that are adjacent to the main diesel punk Mm -hmm. uh branch that's just a natural thing that happens i mean even in like not only am I a diesel punk, but I'm also a furry. And and in the furry community, you know, I was like, oh, this is where things get weird. This is a furry. <laughs> the thing is, is that there is very similar divides where a lot of the furries, there's like, there's the, the two major divides are age. We have the people that are like un, in their 20s and like under 25 and over 25. And the people who are under 25, they're always asking for rides. They don't have any money. You know, it's, it's hard to do anything with them because they're broke all the time. They have yeah. to constantly be handheld and, and led around. Whereas the people over 35, you know, they have constant drinking parties and, and you know, someone's house. They can have 20, 20 people over at a person's house because their house is big enough for that because they work in IT type of thing. Yeah. And they all sit around and talk about these these IT fields and stuff like that. And you know, and they all have like these big screen TVs and they live in the high life and stuff like that. And then the ones who don't get invited to the parties because they can't behave themselves are the under 25s and they're like he's like, "Oh, why is there all this gatekeeping?" It's like, "Well, you got to learn how to be you got to grow up. You you have to right. grow up. You have to be an adult to to hang out with the big kids type of thing." And it's sort of like that with the you know, I mean, we all have our budding interests and stuff like this. And yes, people are going to get off into their cliques, but it's still, it's like, you know, what, what you learned, Eric, is that you have these interests, you have all this stuff, but it was up to you to build that community. Mm-hmm. You, you were sort of responsible for that. And of course, if you kept at it, yeah, there would be various other people like, like, like me and Jason who would, you know, We'd be at your side, you know, along with various other people who are also into this as well, who are into this vein. You know, we may not always be, you know, there every single day, but it is a thing that that just builds. And, and it's one of those. It's just it's just a matter of persistence. I totally I, I totally agree. While you were talking, I was reminded of what's been going on with the Renaissance festivals and attendance to renaissance festivals have exploded doubled tripled even quadrupled in some regions of the country if not the world and it's because of the people in the steampunk community with their steampunk wares now have a place to go but there's a sense of resentment from the renaissance people who have always been you know into that specific period and the reality yeah. of it not the fantasy sci-fi ver- fa- uh, version of it and there's resentment on their part and i said but wait a minute <laughs> you have people coming to your renaissance festivals and they're coming in in gr- in, in amazing great numbers why don't yeah. you want to embrace that it's like well but maybe that's just their thing that's their well, it's also it's it's also you have your purists and your elitists in that world as well. Yeah, and also I remember I remember first hearing about that gripe when it when it when the uh, vendors were allowed to sell plastic. Yeah, because that was sort of you know the beginning of the end as far as they knew. Yeah, you yep. know because like oh, oh great now we're letting now anything's now 
anything goes now. And the thing is, you know, nothing's stopping them from maintaining that standard, that high standard. Nothing's stopping them from doing that. They can totally do that, and those people will go away. There's nothing stopping them from doing that, from having, you know, just, just make, they just need to understand, and I'm sure that they do, is that, you know, it's, it's an ebb and flow, you know, that if they do X, they're going to get result X. And, and if they do Y, they're going to get result Y. And I think a lot of them, you know, even though the people who are complaining, and I, and I guess it's mostly either vendors and stuff like that, it's either longtime vendors or longtime um, per- participants, you know, who sort of feel like they're losing something. They're, they're losing they're losing the stage where they're special type of thing. Right. And and I, I get it. I totally get it. I told you, you work so hard for this sort of thing. But again, you know, the the powers that be, the the heads above yours, several heads above yours, they've made the decision that, well, we need to survive more than you need to have your embellishment. Right. And and I, I totally understand it from a survival point because times are tough. And yep. and as far as that goes, you know, but then again, we get into that, you know, like 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 I was just telling Eric, there's nothing stopping these guys from taking their purity and making something of it on their own. It's just everybody's an expert on everything until it's their money on the line. Yeah. Then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah. Here. Every time. Because if we ever ran a diesel punk convention, I promise you it wouldn't be just diesel punk. I'm sure that we would have other aspects, other seminars, other panels that are diesel punk adjacent, like paranormal investigations, um, podcast workshops or whatever. Because at uh, um, there was this really great episode of this American life talking about people who go to um, of all things, dark shadows conventions. And you remember Mm -hmm. like the dark shadows um, TV series, soap opera during the sixties and seventies. People go to those conventions. People go to those conventions and it was just like somehow something strange happens on, um, on the third day of every convention. You, You just, don't care about whatever like a star trek convention on the third day you're all star trekked out of it it's like if it's a star wars convention you're all star wars out of it it's just it's there's only there's only so much that you can tolerate before you're just like okay I'm 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 overloaded i'm overwhelmed um and and I would I would want to avoid that in a in a diesel punk convention. I right. would. The only I, way to avoid that is with variety. Right, and the, and um, you also see these people who don't have a lot of variety in their lives. That's so like this one thing, and it's like they are often either the most boring people in the world and the most scariest people in the world for all the wrong reasons. So, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Now that everybody is getting vaccinated, there's going to be steampunk and diesel punk. Well, I don't know if there's ever going to be diesel punk conventions. I know that there are diesel punks who will crash steampunk conventions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and likewise, the steampunks have 
you know, a nasty habit of crashing everyone else's party as well. Yeah. Right. The, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it in these, these next few years, you know, type of thing. But as far as, you know, paranormal and, and workshops and stuff like that, it's, it is, it is something interesting. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, And for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret, by all of music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>